Hey y'all, um, this is Created to Connect and we are on week six of suffering. Um, I am sitting here with my twin, Rachel Dunn, and we are the only two that will be here today, um, but luckily this is um, a subject that both of us feel really passionately about and we're excited just to talk to you and share some of our own personal struggles and things that we've walked through um, where God has comforted us and then allowed us to comfort others. So uh, we just ask that you be patient with us and we will try to do this uh, quickly but thoroughly for you so that you can get the most out of this week's lesson, which is the comfort, suffering is for the comfort of ourselves and for the comfort of others. Rachel, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, we're gonna start y'all, we're gonna look at Psalm 119 and Psalm 119 is such an amazing chapter of the Bible. If you ever get a chance to read it, David is just goes on and on about God's word and how it revives him and restores him and how much he delights in God's word and loves his word. Um, I mean, there's a few verses in here that are just so good that we have to share. Um, we're going to start with Psalm 119 verse 71. And I can read that unless you have it up, Rachel. Pulling it up right now. Okay. Becca's got only one hand. Yeah, I'm in a cast, so forgive my slips. Right All right, I'm going to do it in NIV because I had a different version. I didn't want to, I wanted to read it in this one. Okay. okay. Psalm 119, 71. Scrolling down. Okay. Um, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. So, right there, (laughs) me too, I have walked, I remember walking through a very dark time in 2017 or 2018, and God brought me to Psalm 119, and I have to say that it is probably, it changed everything for me. What about you? When you read that verse for the first time, saying, okay, what I'm going through right now, this state of anxiety that I'm in, or fear, this is good for me, because it, what did it do for us? number one it drew us closer to God it made us desperate for him in a way we'd never been before and it's like you're just laser beam focused on God because he's all that you have and you just rely on him and you build trust that you've never had before but it teaches us it's like it is literally forcing us to seek God in a totally new way and like we're I remember I literally could not, would not even go to sleep without my Bible in my arms when I was going through my darkest season. Same. Like, I literally cling to it for life. Like, you could have taken away everything from me. Take away my car. Take away my phone. Take away my food. Don't take away my Bible. Like, that was the, like, I literally took it everywhere with me because I was so just desperate. For, for comfort. For work. Yes. And the only thing that I could find it in that worked was his word. Same. So funny. I, I underlined this verse as we're talking about this. I see a verse that I underlined. I remember underlining this when I went through this again in Psalm 119, you're going to see these verses over and over. But if you look at Psalm 119, 49 and 50, remember the word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction. For your word has quickened me and oh quickened gosh, me. That's so weird. We literally just said that. <laughs> quicken me means to revive or restore life. So he's saying, remember your word that, that I am hoping in. Your word is my comfort in my infliction. It has revived me. If that's not true, that's something that you really can't understand the truth of until you've lived it. 
So when true. you are when everything else has failed, you realize that his word is literally the only thing that can instill hope in you. You will not take it for granted. I mean, I used to sleep with the Psalms playing in the background, playing on my phone, <laughs> on my headboard, because I had to. Even when I woke up from my sleep, I wanted to. I had to hear his word. Mm. Same. It was literally. It's like the only thing that could soothe the brain, soothe the mind, and the anxious thoughts. Well, we look at the next couple of verses, and y'all, there's literally thousands of verses we could pull out that that David talks about. But on Psalm, Rachel, if you'll open Psalm one nineteen, I verse like my version of this ninety two. Um, yeah, Rachel has another one, Psalm ninety four nineteen, in the Amplified version I'll gives read a both. really. Oh, you got you have. Yours? I have the other one. Yeah. All right, you want to read yours first? Yeah. So mine is in the multitude of my anxious thoughts within me. Your comforts delight my soul. Okay, well, mine's the exact same one, but the one we read the other day, somebody's sounded different. Um, But mine is in the multitude of my anxious thoughts, your comforts cheer and delight my soul. So you think about in the multitude of your anxious thoughts, you know what that feeling is, the scrambling of the brain where you're sitting there and you have thoughts just flying everywhere about what's going on and how am I going to control this? And you feel like you just can't mentally take it. And it's like in the multitude of that scrambling God's word will send, he'll give you a word or a verse or something that just is the only thing that can penetrate that bundle of anxious thoughts, right? And, and, and the, at the end of the day, our suffering comes, it's in the mind. The battle is, is, in, the is mind. in the mind. It all, thoughts is, it's all boils down to our thoughts. It's true. We know that he says our, 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 uh, our war is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against... The principalities and the powers of darkness. And how does it? How does that attack us? It attacks us through our, our mind. Through our mind. Right. And just one last verse to read. We read Psalm one nineteen ninety two, and so the question is, how does God comfort David when he's anxious? And we know that he says, "You comfort me." Okay. This says, um, "Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction." And then let me read. I want to go down to ninety three. I will never forget your precepts. How can I? For it is by them you have quickened me. Same verse. You have quickened me. And I love that. Granted me life is what mine says. Quickened me or granted me life. Like literally when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, he brings you back to life. So it's God's word. That's his delight. It's God's word that has brought him back to life. It's nothing else. This is the one thing that David counts on. And this is how he comforts David when he is anxious or when he's suffering. So, having said that, Rachel, I know me and you could go on for light years about uh, number four. I'm sorry, number three. Y'all, I messed up the n- numer- number stuff on here. But uh, what scripture has God used specifically in your life to comfort you when you're suffering? And I know we could pull out a hundred of them each. But just recently, or one of the most famous ones for you, that, as far as how he's changed your outlook. What was one of your verses? God, there, there's so many. Oh, that's hard. Um, oh, I don't even know where to start. Because yesterday in Bible study, the one about Proverbs 3, 5, the, and 6 through when you were... Oh, that okay. So, yeah, that was a good one. So, one night in the bath, that was like the place where I went to... When I was having anxiety, I'd get a bath every night by myself and just like calm. It would just comfort me. Um, and I would read my Bible during that really dark season back, I guess, three years ago. And... And I was just always like, what is happening to me? Because I was just, I guess, 
my anxiety was so bad. You know, when you just like, what is going on? Like, you just can't figure out what's going on. And I was just spinning my wheels trying to fix whatever was going on with me and figure it out. Why has this happened? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on with this? Blah, 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 blah. And I remember opening up to uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, him and he will direct your paths. And for the first time ever, it, it's like it literally, the words jumped out at me. Hmm. Don't lean on your understanding. Like, wait. Trust, or I left out, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your, okay. So I realized that my trust had been in my understanding. Yeah. I had been, spent Self-reliance. my whole life addicted to reasoning. And it was like God was saying, don't you see that one part of the reason you got in this pit is because you have been trying, leaning on your understanding and trusting in your mind to sort everything out and figure everything out and control everything. And it was like, I don't know why that never stood out to me before, but I was just like, oh my gosh, like I need to stop relying on my mind and surrender that to you. And I remember sitting there and being like, and it was the weirdest feeling. I'm like, I didn't want to. It was like this resistance. And I'm like, God, I surrender my mind to you. Like, it's yours. Mm-hmm. Like, take control of my mind. I'm not in control. I don't know. And that's a that's hard a place huge too. turning point for me because I've always used my mind to figure everything out. And like, even if it was false control, I had it. You know, I had, I had to have that you false have sense of control. I had to figure every, if I could figure everything out, I could protect myself and I could stop something from happening or, or, you know, try to find a way to make just avoid the anxiety or the, the fear of what I thought was going to happen. And I realized it's a joke. And isn't it not just at the same time as prison, right? That's when you get those multitude of anxious thoughts, right? Like it's you're like literally rabbit holes and con- of you control. Just start, you start going down rabbit holes and your brain gets so overwhelmed and so wired trying to figure everything out. It's like, and it's like, stop. Right. It's so hard. And that verse has stood out to me too. Funny, when when you told me that a couple years ago, it did the same thing for me. Um, just made me realize the idol that I had of self-reliance and, and my own wisdom and not God's wisdom. But one verse to me that one of my, y'all, the first time, well, the first time I really remember God speaking to me when, when I was little, it was a verse about my sleep being sweet. But since then, one of the greatest moments of clarity that God's ever given me was when I was in a very unhealthy relationship, uh, moving towards a marriage in a few months. And I was out in California by myself. I had so the Holy spirit made it so very clear to me that I was not supposed to be in that relationship, but I ignored it. And I, um, needed, you know, evidence and I needed that confirmation. And one night I remember thinking, I cannot take this feeling of like fear and dread anymore. And I said, Lord, show me what you want for me. And I literally tossed my Bible up and it landed open. Remember this, Rachel? Yeah. To Isaiah 54. So, um, y'all, this was pretty amazing. I just opened up to verse four and started reading. And it says, this is, imagine I am a girl engaged, about to be married. I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated of the thought of leaving and everyone knowing that this didn't work out because of you know, there was cheating and just horrible things going on that I didn't know about that I discovered. And I felt so stupid and ashamed and lost and scared. And anyways, I opened to this verse and it says, fear not for you will not be ashamed. Neither will you be confounded for you will not be put to shame 
You will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth. He will be called. For the Lord has called you a woman, forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth when you were refused, says God. But for a small moment, I have forsaken you, but with great mercy I will gather you. In a little wrath, I hid my face for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you. And then he goes to say, O you afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with fair colors. And he keeps going and he says, All your children will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and far from terror, for it shall not come near thee. And then finally, all the way down, a verse that he has shown me, me and Rachel both, over and over, in the same Isaiah 54, is no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And so this whole chapter, God has used it so many times in my life, but he made himself so clear to me and comforted me in the most intimate, real way that I, I... in that moment, had complete peace. I packed my bags. I booked a flight home that night, got on a plane. And I'm, when I tell you, I never turned back. I never looked back. I never had a moment of regret, of pain, of sorrow or sadness. It was so clear to me, his will for my life. And that's really one of the first times I remember him comforting me on such a really intimate level. And it was so, it was so precious. And that's just one of the millions of examples we have. But God will use his word to comfort you in your suffering in ways that are it's so tangible and it's so real. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, and let's see why God comforts us. Um, there is a purpose beyond ourselves. And I think a lot of us forget that when we're suffering. You know, we get really turned really inward, wouldn't you agree? And it's like we have a hard time seeing outside of ourselves. But in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, we see that there is a uh, much greater purpose than ourselves. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of sympathy and the God of every comfort who comforts us in every trouble so that we may also be able to comfort those who are in any kind of trouble or distress with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So what is our, why does God, aside from getting to knowing God, which is a point of our suffering, right? Is getting to know him, to cling to his word. What is our other, what is the main purpose in this? So that when other people are suffering in the way that we're suffering, we can comfort them just like with what God comforted us with. Like we go through suffering so that we can help others who are suffering. I mean, that's, I remember when God gave me that verse, we're talking about those moments where he gives us a verse. When I went in 2009, when I had my first real bout of like anxiety that kind of took me out for a, for a month, for, I don't know, maybe a couple months where I just literally felt like I couldn't even function hardly. Um, I remember saying, God, why are you letting this happening? And it happened. And I really didn't know what was going on then. I didn't even know that was anxiety. I just thought, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm losing it. Um, and I turned, I opened my Bible and went straight to this verse. And I'm like, that's when he planted the seed for me. Like I knew that one day I was going to be doing something with helping other people with their, with mental health and anxiety and these things. And like, here I am in my last year of grad school. Um, to be, you, you know, to be a counselor and like actually be doing therapy for people. And I'm like, you planted that seed 12 years ago, right. 13 years ago. And that is what it's all about. Like I, when we know, I'm sorry, is there nothing better 
then knowing that you help someone else with something you've been through, it makes it all worth it. Like 100% that, worth it. That is the most rewarding. That, there's nothing that brings me joy like knowing that I have helped someone who is hurting or suffering in some way. And it makes it even better when it's in, in something that I've overcome that I gave them the hope. Okay, look, God got me through this. Here's, here's what I learned through that. Let me use what he learned to equip you to get through this season too. And to bring hope that you can come out on the other side. And we see too in, um, on the next question in verse six that is, and even beyond that, it says, so whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and your salvation, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So keyword for me here, I'm seeing, you know, what is the purpose? We know that it says twice here. It's for your consolation. So we're going through something, right? We're in suffering right now. I'm, if I'm in a state of suffering, it's for the consolation of someone else. And if I'm being comforted by God, it's also for their consolation, but also what's the other word we see here It's for their consolation in their what? Encouragement and salvation. So, oh, this has a, yeah, has yours says encouragement yeah. and it has salvation on there. We salvation, not only from a saving them from whatever situation they're in, but a eternal saving y'all. Sometimes when we are going through something, this is how other people find Christ, right? Yeah. How many people get in a desperate state? How many people do you know that were not believers that through their own suffering and by you coming alongside and suffering with them, they found Christ. I can't tell you how many people. People are looking. Remember this when you're suffering. People are looking at you and how you're handling your suffering. They are looking at how you are dealing with it when you're in, when you're in the pit, everybody's people are watching. And like that and watching when you are obedient and you're clean to God, there are people who see, even when you feel like you're going nuts on the inside, they see that peace in you that you can't even always see in yourself. They see you clinging to God. They see the hope you have. They see the peace that you have that, you know, you can trust God and like they, that makes them want what you have. Right. So we're going to, um, kind of just move through on question we've just read through um really through eight and what is paul's what is his hope for believers who partake in suffering um and his hope for us is that we would be partakers of the sufferings and of the consolation so just to kind of you know close that part out um on number nine and i know that this is uh this is for personal for everybody but something i just want to say we talked about this in our group yesterday. Um, who may be going through the same kind of suffering that you've gone through or that you're currently going through that God wants you to comfort with the same comfort he's given you. And we don't have to discuss that on this, but my challenge to you is whatever you are going through or whatever your last, you know, dark season was, or the thing that you were suffering with, maybe it was cancer. Maybe it was anxiety. Maybe it was postpartum depression. Maybe it was a financial situation, whatever it is, that you have suffered through recently or that you're currently suffering through, I challenge you to think of somebody in your life right now who is walking a similar path. God will place those people in your path and you have a mission to give that comfort to them that God gave you. It is literally the purpose of your suffering, right? And you just don't even know if I'm sure all of you have related to this because you've done it in your suffering. When you comfort, like Rachel said, Y'all, there is a, there's a reward in that. There is a joy that comes 
with coming alongside people and their suffering and comforting them with the comfort God gave you. There's something in it money cannot buy. There's a joy, a peace, a satisfaction in that where we are like, this is what I was made for, right? And often the area which you're struggling in, just to take it a step further, Rach, we've talked about this, where you struggle the most is generally the area of your calling, right? Uh, Struggled with body image and eating and overdoing and underdoing and and that physical control. I've struggled with that since I was 10 years old, probably looking back, maybe 11, 12, but regardless, that is where God has called me to help heal other people. It's where I am able to encourage and give hope to people who feel stuck in those same thought patterns and, and lifestyle patterns that I was in. And it's just, look at your own life. Where do you get stuck? Where do you seem to go through the same kind of suffering? Cause you just can't seem to get it. That might be the very area of which God is calling you to change other people's lives. Just like Rachel with her health anxiety. She's had, not health anxiety, well, it has been health anxiety, but overall, Rachel's anxiety that she's had her whole life, basically, but really peaked after college. Look what she's doing with her life. And not my stepmom stuff, even more than that. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done is, honestly, which a lot of people don't understand, becoming a stepmom and dealing with things that I'd never been prepared for or never dreamed of dealing with, you know, and I... I will not lie that it caused me a lot of suffering. And again, a lot, a lot of people can't understand that, but trust me when I say it is a big deal. Um, and I like just starting like a little blog a few years ago, just cause I'm like, I know that there's other stepmoms out, out here there. that need to hear that they're normal for struggling. And like, just seeing how God has grown that platform to where I have like people message me all the time. Like you don't know your post just literally might've saved my marriage. Like mm-hmm. you're the re- I've stayed up all night reading your post crying and God is using you so big to, to help me like know that there's light at the end of this tunnel. And I'm like every single thing that I went through and like feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'll never have a normal family. I'll never enjoy my family. I- I'll always have resentment and bitterness towards this path that I chose and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, I came out on the other side and like, I'm giving people the hope to do that. And that's, I feel like that for me, anxiety and the stepmom stuff are the two areas where I really have struggled the most. And that is where I see God using me. Like I'm going to be doing therapy for anxiety and really my main focus will be blended families, which is like, nobody even understands how big of a need there is for that. If you're not in it and don't you know right. know about it, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's so worth it. Like it's so it worth brings it. Brings me so much joy. I get ex- so excited talking about it and writing about it. You ever think like when you're in the middle of a suffering situation, like when you know, like instead of getting down, like God, I just know that you are going to do something so awesome to get me out of this or to comfort me, and I can't wait to pass it on. Instead of just seeing it as poor me, why am I going through this? Like this is sucks. It's terrible. And then it's like, wait a minute. Like, God, that's what he's done for me in the past, like, couple days. It's like, he's like, you don't even know how I'm going to restore you in this. And I'm going to give you something fresh. I'm going to give you a new treasure that you're going to share when this is done. It is going to be so worth it. And I know it's going to be worth it. I can just be joyful in it right now because I know he's not going to leave me in this. And we're going to get to that verse in a minute to close out. And people need to know that, like, we need to be vulnerable about our suffering which has been what I've tried to do. You know, like we have to be vulnerable to let people know, like we have to be willing to, 
to show them our weakness, the ba- where we, our weakness is, and like, and then be willing to sit with them in their right. suffering. Because how bad do we need when we're suffering? How hard is it to not have somebody that can sit there with it's you? Not having someone to understand what you're feeling and hardest. going through. There's no, there's nothing more isolating, nothing more lonely and, and devastating than being completely alone in your struggle and not having even just, you don't even have to tell me anything good. Just, just tell me, me you've been there and, and sit with me in my suffering, which leads us to our next question. And we talked about, I loved the discussion on this on first Peter five, eight through nine, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil is a roaring lion who walks around seeking whom he may devour. Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering or afflictions are going on in your brothers all over the world. Okay. So what is this verse saying? What, why is it important that we recognize, okay, what is this verse? What first, what's it pointing out? Whatever it is you're going through right now, everybody in the church, we're all experiencing attack and suffering. Like it's, it's not just you. You're not alone in this. Like, even if we're not experiencing the same kind of suffering, we are all experiencing suffering. And there is someone out there with the who's same actually suffering. suffering in the exact same way. And that is what I've discovered, like, especially with my stepmom stuff. I'm like, are you like every one of us feel the same way? And it's like, we just need to hear the word sometime. Me too. So true. Like there is we, camaraderie. camaraderie and right. suffering is so important. Like, what would I do without like the people that have walked through this? with me that I've have experienced what I've experienced and like we can go through we let's do this together right there's something about doing it together it just makes it so much easier and two I think uh we discussed yesterday in our meeting I think something that it discards us from too yeah, like and it's that. a blessing but the on the the flip side it protects us knowing that we're not the only ones it protects us from Being self-pity victim. and victim mentality and we talked about that yesterday how when you become a victim and you and you get in your head and you're, you know, I'm the only one who's going through this and why doesn't everybody else have to go through this? And I'm saying it like that because literally I'm, I'm talking about me. <laughs> like when I go through something and I'm like, this isn't fair. Like no one else, everybody else's life isn't like this. Like why am I going through this right now? That's a lie. I'm not the only one going through it. In fact, there are people going through much worse things than me, but there are absolutely people going through my exact circumstance somewhere in this world and and it's not about me and what Rachel what happens when we start looking inward where we're focused we lose our power we lose our focus we lose our purpose we're ineffective we're, we, well, yeah like that's what we were talking about yesterday when you take that victim mentality you forget that you have choices like it's that saying I'm trapped there's no way out I don't have choices we always have choices even if we don't have choices about what's happening our on physical, the outside yeah. we have a choice of how we react to things right. and that's where our that's freedom freedom is internal freedom is. is not external freedom means i have the i have a choice of how i'm going to react to something no matter what sorry guys y'all we're, we're no. in a car right now we're just gonna our kids restart um, <laughs> that's what that's what it's all about it i don't we're so well i just kind of got off subject but you know what i was thinking about with this thinking about anxiety if you're if there's one thing that anxiety will lie to you about I'm the only one that feels this. My anxiety is special. And this my will never change. My anxiety is different than everyone else. No, you don't understand. No. Actually, everyone's anxiety, like, they're, it's actually, yeah, the, the focus might be different. It's all the same. Like, your anxiety is not special. There are a billion people out there feeling 
exactly what you're feeling and having the exact same anxiety symptoms as you are. And that we have to like, just thinking about suffering and how we really do make, try to make our special. Right. It's really not. And there's, you just ho- don't understand. there's it's hope different. in that though. There's hope in that. Cause it's like, dude, if all these other people, number one, it normalizes it. Okay. This is actually a normal part of hum- being human. Absolutely. It's not, it, what no, does it say it in John sixteen thirty three? In this world, you will have tribulation. Not it like, is, oh, you're normal. a Christian and, yeah. and you're not going to, oh, it's weird. You're weird don't if you be, have tribulation. Don't be surprised at the fiery, fiery trials. trials. Like, why are we acting like this is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. This is, hello people, expect the unexpected. If there, I remember God telling me this a few years ago, Rachel, expect the unexpected. Mm. Why Stop fearing the bad news and just expect that unexpected things are going to happen and that God's going to give you grace in the moment. Like, stop being shocked when stuff goes wrong. Right. Welcome to earth. Right. And do you not ever feel like, to me, for I think about myself when I get in that victim mentality sometimes. Like, I just, you know, injured my hand and I let myself get there for a night. I really just got in the victim mentality. You know, why me? Why did this happen to me? Like, I'm God, I'm trying to do all these things for you. And then you take my right hand and now I can't do any of this. And what am I going to do? And I'm just going down this, you know, really bad rabbit hole. And it's like God said to me so clearly, like, you are so entitled. You are not entitled to anything. Um, I think we have this false sense of entitlement in our world because we're Americans and we literally have a phone that can tell us anything we want to know, do anything we want at the drop of a hat. We have medicine. We can walk into a doctor's office. We can go into a, we can pick up our phone and have a groceries, our groceries sitting on our front porch in 20 minutes if we really wanted to pay for it. Like spoiled, we're spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. rotten. And somewhere we got to thinking that we weren't supposed to suffer, that this was supposed to be this an easy not, ride. What, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Let me just throw it out there. That was my, probably one of my biggest problems with the stepmom stuff. The suffering I had to deal with. Why? I deserve a normal family. We don't. I just. We, we I don't want deserve a, anything. I want a normal family like everyone else. Instead of stopping and going, oh my gosh, God gave me the most amazing husband on planet earth. Like it, my focus right. was so on what I deserve. What do you, I don't. I don't deserve anything. Let's talk I, about what we really I deserve. I deserve hell. We deserve <laughs> to pay the penalty that Christ paid on the cross to be beaten, hung, to, and suffocating to death the way a criminal would die and spend eternity in hell and separated from God. That's what we deserve, right? We, I think we forget that. And if we haven't come to that conclusion, it's, it's an important one to come to, to realize, wow, I need Jesus because I deserve what he paid for me, I deserve to die. I deserve to to go to hell. I deserve to be separated. And if you haven't, if you have a hard time admitting, well, I just don't think I'm bad enough to really. It's hard for me to say that. Well, go read Romans one. Yeah, you're fooling yourself if you think if you think you're you, not number one. Every, your heart every is sin's deceitful. The same exactly to God. Your heart intentions. It doesn't matter what you're doing on the outside. Internally, you are as filthy as a murderer in prison right now. You are. If you've ever hated someone, you've been angry with someone, and you've murdered them in your heart it's the same thing to god no different and so i think coming to that place of understanding our own uh our own sin our own filth that really helps with the entitlement 
But I think we've already discussed like how it encourages us to know that other people are in the same suffering as us. So let's just close out. Rachel, this is a verse that's personal to you. This is what, the verse I was going to share that I shared yesterday, but I didn't want to share it again Read today, us but... verse 10, if you will. Uh-huh. So we're in 1 Peter 5, <laughs> verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. He gave me that verse. Like when I was wondering, you know, you know, with everybody when we're in those dark moments, we're like, is this ever going to end? Right. Like the devil literally loves to put in your head. Hopeless. This is never going to end. It's always going to feel like this. There's no hope. And I remember I, when I turned to that verse, I wrote it on a piece of paper and I stuck it in all the, I stuck it all around my bedroom. It was on my headboard. I printed it out, stuck it on my headboard, my mirror, my dresser, everywhere I looked. Every time those, the, that would pop in my head, this is never going to end. This suffering is never going to end. God's like, oh no. After you've suffered a little while, which let's also remember, like we even, don't know what ev- that means. even 10 years on this earth is nothing compared to eternity. But he's, it, the point was, he's saying me, myself, me, God, I'm going to restore you and establish you and ground you and strengthen you and strengthen you. And like, that was so big for me. Like, I, not only are you going to get like, I'm going to do this myself, Rachel, like me, God, the God of the universe I know how long your suffering needs to last to, to accomplish what, what I'm doing. to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And then when the time is up, which means all of our suffering has an expiration date, by the way, all of your suffering on earth has an expiration date. It will not last forever. That is going to get you through a lot of things. This too shall pass. <laughs> everything on this earth is temporary. Every right. feeling, every thought, every situation will not be like this forever. It, it's going to change. It is, it is temporary nothing on this earth is eternal except our salvation our soul so it was like all i needed to know some days it was like i don't know how i don't know how you're gonna do it god i don't know how you're gonna heal me from this like how i'm gonna stop suffering but what i do know is that you are and that when those thoughts come in i can refute those thoughts no that's a lie I am, I'm going to, I want to see it everywhere I go. God himself, God himself God is going to do it. Not just like, Oh, somehow your, your brain's going to heal itself and your, which our brain is created to heal itself. But my point is somebody's going to come along. No, I'm God. I have, I know the expiration date for your suffering and I'm going to come. I'm going to do this work in you, me. I'm going to complete the work I've started in you. Mm. So good. Well, I think this is definitely a motivation for enduring, right? Like when you, we all are walking through our thing right now. We've all got something. Okay. And just to know that he's y'all, that he is going himself to come and restore you and establish you, confirm you, strengthen you to know that what a motivation to endure and just to keep going, moving forward, knowing that he's giving you these treasures along the way that you get to share with other people who are going to be going to feel that same hopeless, helpless feeling of just despair and no hope. And he, God is counting on you to share that with somebody else. And maybe thousands of people one day, you don't know what your calling might be. You have no idea what God has prepared for you. Millions. And you know what? Something else I feel like God wants me to throw in there really quick. Don't, you don't have to downplay your suffering by comparing it to others. No, you don't. What you're going through, the suffering that you feel 
is, tr- real. is real and it's your suffering and God's using it and it's not silly and God is not God is not saying oh that's not enough that's not a big enough deal for you to have suffering over don't downplay what you're going through it's uh, different we for certainly everyone. we certainly aren't downplaying it because we don't we don't have to compare our suffering what what you're going through is is super real and painful to you and it is legit Right. So I just want to throw that in there. We all thank you so much for listening. I hope that you um, took some truth from this. And um, we'll see you all next week as we move forward. We're um, jumping out of, we have one more week of what it does. And then we're going to close out our study with, so how do we do, how do we suffer well while we're suffering? Um, You want to pray us out, Rach? Sure. Father, um, thank you for giving us hope in our suffering. Thank you for the promise that our suffering is always producing a weight of glory that is beyond anything that we could even imagine. And Lord, you have given us someone to look at who has suffered well and who has uh, brought so much life and glory from his suffering and from his death. And we just thank you for that. And um, Lord, we don't we don't love our suffering and and you know that we don't have to hide that from you. You already know what we're thinking, but, um, we can trust you and be excited about what you're going to do through it. And Lord, I just pray that this week you will give everybody an opportunity to, um, just view something as an, as an opportunity rather than, um, just a hardship to bear. Um, just help them to see, get a little bit, excited about what you're going to do through what they're going through, whether it be something big or small, um, and just give them the patience to endure that until they can see the fruit of that labor. And we just love you and thank you for your word. It sustains us. It quickens us. Um, I don't know what we would do without it. We love you. Amen. Amen. See y'all next time.